Welcome to the sixth episode of the Horror Pod podcast by Searchability. We're back again, stronger, with arguably our quickest turnaround to date. And today, we're going to be discussing an entirely different topic. Um, for the first time, we actually step away from technology recruitment. And we're getting, well, at least in its original form, eh, Tom? Mm. I'm joined by Tom Fulton. Afternoon. Afternoon. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Good. Um, so the, the purpose of today's pod, now Tom is ex-forces, serving for how many years, mate? Nine years in total, man wow. and boy. Some commitment. <laughs> a hero, if you will. A couple of times. I hear, I hear that a lot around <laughs> the office, actually. By me. Yeah, by, largely <laughs> by you, largely by you. And, uh, Tom now runs the military desk for our sister company, Hirecracker. Tom's been with us for a, a year Just this over. Week. Yeah, first Just of June. Happy anniversary, mate. Thank you. And he's on a one-way mission to get veterans back into work. Certainly trying. A subject which is obviously very, very close to your heart, yeah. having served for so long. He's had a good start. He's made pretty incredible progress in a short amount of time. And today, he wants to reach out to you listeners and help get veterans back into work, as well as give guidance to clients who may exactly, be listening yeah. about the benefits to hiring veterans, or even the best way to go about yeah. it. So... Well, we talked about the drivers there, Tom. You want to get ex-forces, veterans, ex-military. A lot of terminology for these guys, right? Yeah. Yep. Back, back into work. Once they've actually hung up their proverbial boots, if you will. I know it's a journey that you've been on, which we'll touch on shortly. Uh, and yeah, we just want to give some advice, really. It's, it's a really interesting subject for me because unlike most of these pods, I have absolutely no idea. So it's going to be a bit of a learning curve, an educational piece for me as well. And for those who are listening and are not watching, this is Tom sat to my right. He's he's probably the most stereotypical veteran in the world, at least at least in my eyes. <laughs> uh, he's about six foot. He's pretty bald. Definitely bald. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely bald. He's covered in tattoos from head to toe, and he never ever takes off his camouflage. <laughs> Not even for client visits. <laughs> just floating heads yeah. everywhere. It's <laughs> mental. So, Tom, listen, we're about get, get into the more serious stuff, mate. Um, obviously, we want to we want to listen to you on, on the whole. It's going to be a nice, refreshing break for the listeners. I'm going to shut up for most of this, <laughs> other than being genuinely interested. But as you know, I did actually prepare a little light-hearted segment to kick us off called The Good, The Bad and The Awkward. Yep. And the purpose of this is, effectively, for you to tell us your most funny Recruitment story. Yeah. Well, it wasn't lighthearted or fun at the time. Brilliant. Um, I'm excited already. Yeah. Obviously, including the good, the bad, and the awkward, it was actually my first two placements I did run in the military desk. Um, so How long ago was this? February. February. Yeah. Reaching out to potential clients, advertising my service and what I can help them with and attracting the best ex-military candidates and get them on board in their organizations. Reached out to a number of companies. One particular company came back and said, yeah, we're really interested in this. We want to take on more ex-military people. Good start. Great start. Um, set up a briefing call, explained my service and, and, and what I can do and, and the talent pool that I represent. Um, they wanted a couple of p different roles, so I sent them CVs across. They love the CVs. Again, great, great start. start. <laughs> uh, wanted to get them in for an interview. Got them in for an interview. Offered them a job. Both lads took the job. Everyone first, was happy. First month on the board? So, well, it was actually the second. Right, okay. Yeah, second. Um, so uh, everyone was happy. Client was happy. Candidates were happy. Brilliant. Then it came to the time for us to send our invoice for all of the hard work that I'd done. Um, and then the client came back and said, oh, we 
we thought you were a charity and we thought this was a free <laughs> service, which led to a really awkward conversation, which you kindly um, stepped in to help. I did. Because <laughs> the client was crying on the phone saying she yeah. was going to lose a job. Um, and and it, it was a bit mad, really, because uh, nobody ever does anything for free and our terms and conditions were attached to every single email that we sent. Um, but obviously there's something a little bit lost in translation. Now, there was the immediate risk that these lads would lose their job, um, which, which was the last thing that we wanted of and, course. and and we did come to an, a, an agreement with the client where both lads still kept their job we gave them a somewhat discounted fee um and everyone was happy eventually in the end but for the first placements running the military desk it, was, the it, yeah, it wasn't ideal it wasn't ideal. That, proper panic station i would go as far as say that that was no, I, I was involved in it i didn't mm. know for sure that was a story you're going to tell but i had an idea yeah. and it's certainly the most awkward mm. story we've had yeah, on the the GBA segment of the podcast so far, <laughs> when was, she was crying on the it phone, was it was extremely awkward. And you know yeah. what? I felt very sorry for for said client. Mm. But why on earth she thought any recruitment company would just why anyone would do anything for free? No. I mean, yeah, it's um, yeah, it was, it was very awkward. It was very awkward. It was very bad. But I guess the good was that the guys still get to yeah. withhold that. Yeah, they both left the military and, and both walked into employment. Straight away. So still aware of them? <laughs> not on the client. No, no, no. no, she doesn't answer the phone anymore, weirdly. Okay. Why? <laughs> no, that's, I, I, is it fair to us? Obviously, it's a, it's, a, it's a world that I've never recruited in. So is that an isolated incident or do most people who come from... Oh, yeah, isolated that, incident. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Most people are fully aware that yeah. there's always a fee attached. Well, we're a recruitment company. So. Well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> yeah. There is that. Okay, now that's actually a great story to kick us <laughs> off, mate. Very, very awkward. Mm. I know it was awkward for me and I didn't really create the shit storm that happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you no, I was just in the middle of it. All right, cool. Now, nice little icebreaker there to kick us off, mate. So, listen, there's a whole caveat of things that we can discuss yeah. this is a huge world um i know it's one that you're very very passionate about and you, you can see that as you walk around the office you know you can see that when we joke about you being a hero you know you actually are a hero you know, let's, let, let's, <laughs> let's be honest you're very and you i don't think you would call yourself one but no. that's no. absolutely the reality but what i wanted to get out of this today <clears> you know quite often in this part of the pod i'll talk about the message of you know, what we're trying to achieve here what we're trying to get out there what we want the listeners to understand but well, I think this is your bag, mate. So do you want to just do a very brief introduction as to why you're sat on the sofa with us today? Yeah, I think the the, the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is um, the UK ex-military talent pool is, is such a unique group of people that have got such incredible skills and experiences and they're just underutilised by the UK market. Yeah. Um, the, these people have got incredible backgrounds. They've done the most challenging jobs in the toughest environments. And then there's companies out there that either aren't aware that they exist or don't know how about how to go about getting them on board. And yeah. these people have done incredible things, but they don't know how to write a CV because it's not something you ever do in the military. You spend 20 years of your life and you'll never write a CV until you're about to leave. You may never have interviewed for a job in, in your life. Right, yeah. And and these people leave, especially after they do 20 odd years, they leave in their 40s and they're so dedicated and hungry to make an impression in the, the civilian market. And most 40 plus year olds in the UK that have been working in the civilian market for 20 odd years are comfortable and know what they're doing and, yeah, and they haven't got that hunger in their bellies. But these people leaving the military can offer so much and, and we just need to raise awareness. I mean, there's various statistics about service leavers. There's between twelve and 15,000 that enter the UK job market wow, annually. As many as that. So it's yeah. over 1,000 a month. 
and and these are all across the country, obviously from the tip of Scotland all the way down to the south coast, and they're all looking for opportunities, all of them. Um, and and in the UK job force at the moment, standards do appear to be slipping. I don't know whether it's a COVID-related thing or whether it's a generational decline, but the basic standards... Are you calling us civilians lazy, Tom? <laughs> some of some of, <laughs> some of you, us are. Um, um, but the basic standards seem to be slipping. The, the ability to communicate, work in a team, even just get to work on time. I, I have clients ring me daily and say, listen, we just want hardworking people. And it sounds crazy to, for one of the defining characteristics of somebody to just be hardworking. You yes. think that's a basic. Um, and, and anybody who served any significant time in the military has got them soft skills. You, you won't get somebody who's served a prolonged period in the armed forces turning up to work late. It's not something that ever happens. Not it's not in the DNA. It's the first thing you learn when you join the military. If, you, if you're not five minutes early, you're late. So that mentality stays with you forever. Yeah, okay. So ultimately, it's without. I don't want to go too deep into this, but it's it's mutually beneficial, you know. Massively, you, you can you can help these guys get back into yeah. work, but there's there's also an educational piece there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Right. So we've got a lot to discuss, but let's let's just give a brief overview of your background. Then let's go back to the very start. Long time uh, ago. Yeah, a very long time ago. We're actually the same age, albeit I look at least 10 years younger. Yeah, you do. I'm not going to lie. It's not true. Uh, so, Tom, let, let's talk about you know, why you made the decision to, to join the forces in, in the first place. Um, uh, the short answer is I had nothing else <laughs> to do, really. I uh, Is that I, is that common, or is it quite often passed down a generation that you'd be in their forces? Uh, it depends. There's certain fam military families, and it's like, from a young age, you're going to join the military. Pushed a little bit, maybe. Maybe, or looking up to your, your old man or your yeah. mum and thinking, I want to do that when I'm older. Okay. Now, I didn't have anyone in my immediate family who was in the military. My granddads were, but most people are generation. Their granddads were in, were in the military. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I kind of floated through school. I never really dedicated myself to it. I never engaged in learning or education. I, I kind of just... Sounds familiar. Yeah, I just tried to do the absolute bare minimum. I wasn't particularly motivated by by anything in school. And then when I, I did my GCSEs and kind of floated through my GCSEs um, and then got to sixth form because all my mates were in sixth form. So I just did that. And yeah. then it was about a month in and, and the teacher literally said, listen, you don't have to be here if you don't want to be here. And it, I went, oh, I'm not going to be here then. <laughs> so then I, I wasn't... I, I, I think that was a trick. I don't <laughs> think she actually meant it. <laughs> I think she did, specifically with me. Um, so I, I ended up leaving um, sixth form. And one of my friends at the time, a lad called Rob Shaw, um, said, well, I'm going to join the army. Why don't you join the army? And I was like, are you mental? I mean, this is 2004. So Afghan had nearly started kicking off. Obviously, the invasion happened in 2001. And then 2003, Iraq had kicked off. And this was like the height of all the news stories. And Certainly in our lifetime. Yeah, casualties. It was on the news every night. And uh, I said to him, you, you can't, that's, that's crazy joining the army. He said, no, there's loads of different jobs you can do. It's sound. Come to the careers office and chat to them. So you went. So I went. And obviously, this was back in the day where they were desperate for people to join as well. There wasn't, you didn't necessarily have to have any qualifications. They were just like, sign, sign you're there. You're in. <laughs> so I walked into the careers office and was met by this um, huge man. He was a big barrel of a man. He was in the Welsh Guards, a sergeant. And he said, what, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to I join the army. And he said, yeah, but what job do you want? And I looked at him and said, soldier. <laughs> and, and he just looked at me and said, are you thick? And I was like, 
I, I don't know what you mean. Like, Isn't what, that the only job? Yeah, like, yeah. what you t- surely you tell me. So um, I did an aptitude test, um, and, and it literally spits out a, a list of jobs that you can do based on the results Old of your school. aptitude test. Yeah. yeah, And the top job said military police. And I was like, there's police in the military. And he said, yeah. I said, well, I'll do that. And he said, no, no. <laughs> Everybody hates the military police. I said, why? Really? And he said, well, you, you start off one rank higher than everybody else. And you get paid more than everybody else. Sounds great. <laughs> so I said, I'll do that. <laughs> Obviously, why wouldn't yeah. I do that? Um, so I had to wait until I was 17 and five months old to actually join. Um, because when you when you qualify as a military police officer, you need to be 18, obviously, to go into bars yeah. and, 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 and look after drunk soldiers. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I had to go home and, and tell my parents. My mum was not happy at all. Um, I basically had a conversation with her because she had to sign my, my paperwork because I was so young. And I said, well, you either sign it now or I just wait until I can join and I'll just join anyway. So she reluctantly so you signed. you forged it? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I made her sign it, unfortunately, for her. Um, and it, an indication of how young I was, the morning I left to, to go to, to basic training down in Winchester, I was leaving my home and I was going to the train station. They obviously give you a rail warrant to get down there. Um, and, and my mum was very emotional in the morning and she said, you know what platform you're leaving from? And I had never been on a train on my own <laughs> in my life. And I looked at her and said, what, what's a platform? And she just burst into tears. <laughs> and my dad was like, oh, God. So, um, yeah, I went to Winchester, did three months basic training, then joined the military police, did six months training there. And then I got posted to Germany two or three weeks after I turned 18. So you went from not knowing what a train station platform was yeah. to surfing in Afghanistan. Yeah, a few journeys along the way. you're still alive. I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, and I was supposed to be one of the intelligent ones as well, well which go. is uh, yeah, which is mad. There you go. Okay, so and then you served for how long in, in, in total? Nine years in total. Nine, Nine years in total. total. And then I guess the obvious question was, you know, why why did you decide to leave? Um, it's a, it's a difficult one. I, I, I felt kind of like I achieved everything I wanted to achieve. I, I served in Iraq in 2008, um, which was a, a difficult tour as a, as a police mentor, helping the Iraqi police become police officers, which is... Was this you? That's me in Afghanistan, yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. and, and it was a really challenging job because to teach somebody who doesn't necessarily learn the same way we do, and we haven't got the same yeah. values as we, it was really, really difficult. And, and we spent seven months just getting mortared every day um and mortared is when you just get bombed i was basically. gonna ask yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in fact, i know i'm not lying i wasn't gonna ask i was gonna nod and pretend that i knew what you meant <laughs> so that was a, a a tough tour and then i mean I, I turned 21 in iraq um so Happy that birthday. yeah thanks <laughs> that was a really tough tour and then i did afghanistan in 2012 um, which was the, it, that was the peak of my military career, really. I served with the Brigade Reconnaissance Force. So there's me and one other military police officer and 120 blokes. And our job effectively was to go and find the Taliban. So we would get onto three Chinook helicopters in the middle of the night and land in places the British military had never been before or hadn't been for years. And, sounds and absolutely terrifying, if I'm honest. It, it, it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, like, I've, I've, I had a helmet cam. So there's, I've got footage of me in Afghanistan mainly screaming <laughs> and hiding behind trees and walls. Um, so it, 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 it was, but the, some of the people I work with, just unbelievable. Like, oh, just the most capable people. And like when everything else around you is going to shit and they're just, just in so the in the zone, yeah. just are unbelievable. That's cool. Um, and then I came back from Afghan and thought... I've done I've done Iraq, I've done Afghan. Syria started kicking off a little bit. 
and I thought, I don't really fancy I'm not shit. sure you timed this that well. If no, no, no. <laughs> Sirius started kicking off and I thought, oh, and then... I, I I thought I want to do something else. I want to, I can't I can't just do this forever. I want to try something else. And then um, my main reason that I told my boss that I wanted to leave is I wanted to grow a beard because obviously in the military you have to shave every day. Well, you you can grow a beard. I can, but it's, I didn't know decent. this though because right, okay. because I joined when I was seventeen. Obviously, didn't have a beard. Got to twenty six, and I was like, I want to grow a beard. So I, you have to sign off from the military and you have to give 12 months notice <laughs> right so I, I put my letter because you have to effectively ask to leave okay. so, so I, I asked my boss to leave but it's, you give him the letter and my boss called me in his office panicked like why, why do you want to leave and I said well I want to grow a beard and he went don't be ridiculous <laughs> and I said well let me grow a beard and I'll stay in and he said well you know I can't and I was like well I'm leaving then <laughs> and, and I said to him and, and he, he said well why, why do you want to leave and I said well I, sir I look at you and I should want to be you and I don't so I, 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 <laughs> I bet you taught that well yeah well he, he went okay. yeah I'm not surprised <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I decided to leave now you obviously get the 12 months notice period yeah um, I didn't do anything no preparation no research, no. Which I imagine is pretty common. Which is very common for people because a year seems like a long time. Yeah. So you're like, oh, it's it's fine. I'll do something else. I my motivation was to grow a beard. That's yeah. literally all I wanted to do. And you couldn't grow for twelve months. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Yeah. What so else are we gonna do? All day, every day for yeah. twelve months, I was going. I'm gonna grow the biggest beard. <laughs> and then it, it, I left. Unfortunately, I can grow a beard. Um. So because I left, and then all of a sudden I was in the big bad world. Um. I went traveling for a year to delay the adult decision of what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I went traveling for a year, and that was the first time I really started to be exposed from different different people from different backgrounds. Okay. Right. Um, Sorry, I'm sorry to in, no, inter no, no. In, in, interject you there. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll touch on that. But I just wanted to just quickly mm. summarise your your time in the military. So, firstly, you joined the military because your mate was. Yeah, basically, and then he didn't join because he broke his leg playing Brilliant. football. Brilliant. So you went on your own. <laughs> you went on my own. And <laughs> you left because you wanted to grow a beard. But in that middle bit, you served in Afghanistan, and. Iraq and Iraq, yeah, yeah, kind <laughs> so, of. You know, almost like the perfect storm. Now, honestly, it's something to be to be ridiculously proud of. I know, I, I don't know what my, my granddad served. You know, I don't, I don't know much about that world, but I, I do know that it's a, a lot of things that people don't tend to talk about. Yeah, but was there a particular? You know, when you look back now and reflect, was was there a particular highlight? Um, you had to pick one. The, the people I worked with. Yeah, the, okay. the people I worked. They, they, I mean. I made friends for life. Like uh, the the funniest, like quickest, the wit, the, yeah. the jokes, the banter. Obviously, everybody says I made absolute friends for life. One one of my best friends, um, Tom. Uh, he's actually the reason I'm doing kind of what I'm doing now because okay. it was him that initially reached out. But I mean, he's done like five tours of Afghanistan. He's looked after wow. numerous prime ministers whilst in Iraq, and, and he, he he does a lot of close protection, like the bodyguard stuff. Is this the guy that you went to see in Jordan? Yeah, it is it? the guy that yeah. I went to see in Jordan, yeah. And, and like, I love him to pieces. I'm not going to sound to listen to this podcast because I don't want him to know. I'm going to email him. Uh, <laughs> but he, he basically, he's coming to the end of his 22 years. Right. So he reached out to me whilst I was working for Searchability and said, 
what am I going to do with my life? And it was the first time ever I heard a little bit of panic in his voice. This guy that's done multiple tours of Afghanistan and yeah. not phased by anything. Crazy, isn't it, really? Yeah, and, and it's, it, is, it is difficult for them. Almost, uh, without you know, using the wrong word, institutionalised, perhaps. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, military people are institutionalised. Now, that's not ne- necessarily a negative thing because they're institutionalised with fantastic, tools like the transferable skills the soft skills the dedication discipline teamwork communication they're institutionalized to be the most effective team members possible nobody in the military like you calling me a hero then it makes it makes me feel yeah i don't like i I mean only half mean it yeah (laughs) yeah, but it is because like well you were a hero at the time now you're just my mate tommy yeah Yeah. but you know the point still stands but everybody in the military a bit of a prick sometimes (laughs) (laughs) everybody in the military is so quick to to distance themselves from individual praise, like they, they, yeah. it's not an individual thing. You, 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 everybody puts it on the team immediately. It wasn't my achievement; it's the team's achievement. Yeah, and that just makes the team stronger. I may, and I, I feel like we're going two or three steps ahead of ourselves there. But you know, while while we're on the subject, you know, do you think that that is perhaps part of the problem when it comes to you know, finding work in, within you know, a normal civilization? Would you call Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Know, just lack of confidence in their own ability yeah. because they're not aware of their own independent achievements. A- absolutely. Perhaps. I mean, writing a CV. Yeah. A, a, a civilian will write a CV about all of their achievements that they've ever done throughout all of their work, and they won't hesitate to say and lie about some as well. And lie yeah. about some, yeah, and say I did this, I was responsible for this, I saved the company this amount of money. Yeah. Military people will will write a CV and and they'll just talk about the team. Yeah, and and it, it they won't ever say that was me. It's crazy, isn't it? Did that, but I guess that's just you know a, a step into the unknown. Yeah. Okay, so let's just reverse engineer this slightly. Then yeah. I feel like we're getting we're getting closer to modern day and the whole purpose of 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 the pod itself. But this is going to be relatable to any veterans who, who might be listening, yep. who maybe have had a handle a notice recently, etc. Et, et so yeah. let's just go back to you on that final stretch before yeah. before you left. I know you mentioned that you went to university, so. It's, uh, after your gap year, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's like <laughs> yeah. a slight, a slightly different path. But how were you feeling as you as you approached the end? Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's it's and um, the military have definitely got a tendency to to think that that's the best job you'll ever have. People who are happy in the military will say you'll never get a job better than this. Yeah, and it's just simply not true. Yeah. I mean, but when, is that because they don't know any different? Exactly, that's exactly what yeah. it is. And and they they don't want people to to leave, especially good people. They never want yeah. good people well, to leave. Um, so they'll say that there's no there's no other jobs out there. That you'll never find anything as good as this. You'll never get paid as as much as you are now. And and it's just simply not true. And it, and it's just an educational thing, really. Yeah. Um. But leaving the military, I mean, I speak to service leavers every single day. I spoke to a guy yesterday, and he's coming to the last three months of his his twelve month notice, and he was like, "I don't know if I've made the right decision. Maybe I've got. Maybe I should stay in." And 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 I said to him, "Just don't like it's it's a big step, but once you make the step, you realise that you're you're absolutely fine." Yeah. And if how many people are in this country? 70 million people. There's probably 35 million adults in this country. Then the employment rate's a million people unemployed. There's a lot of people working. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there are jobs. Yeah, yeah. there are jobs. Yeah. It's not, you're not going to be living under a bridge because you're not, you're, you're really <laughs> capable at what you do. Yeah. It's just transferring those, those skills. It. Okay. So back onto your, onto your journey then. We got, we got to university. Um, I remember you telling me the other day actually that, and this is something that I was unaware of. I, you got you 
course paid for. Is yeah. That, is so, that right? yeah. So left the military, went traveling for a year, which, which was great. Um, everybody I met traveling was either going to university in university or had been to university and university was never something that I ever thought I'd, I was capable of. Yeah. I, I never understood how people afforded it for one. And I never thought I was intellectually able to do something like a university degree. Um, and then went traveling, came home from, from traveling. I thought, right, what, what am I going to do with my life? So I had to real, really dig down to try and find some information to, to help me. And I actually found out that if you've served longer than eight years in the military, you can go back to university full time and the military will pay for your tuition fees. Wow. Which is, I mean, it's saving £27,000. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's a hell of a lot of it money. Is. Um, so, uh, and I thought again, I'll does do that it. apply to absolutely everybody as long as you've served longer than eight yeah. years? Okay. Um, so I thought again, I'll just go to university for three years, that'll delay my decision of what yeah. I'm do the rest of my <laughs> life. I'll kick it down the road. We all did for, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll kick it down the road for another time. Went to university when I was 28. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Like I was so <laughs> dedicated, disciplined. I, it was the first time in my life I'd ever chosen subjects that I was interested in. So yeah. I did a degree in politics and criminology. Cool. I was sat at the front of every lecture. I just absorbed the information. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. You so were basically the person that you hated at school. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah. <laughs> and even when I was in the military, I was like, oh, students. It's so uh, annoying that, isn't it? Like, I mean, without going off piece too much, I, I thought you know, people were in, bands and music yeah, yeah. school. Now, if I could play the piano, like, oh my God, that's <laughs> the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. At the time, at I'd the time. have hated me for playing, which is you know, very sad and pathetic. Yeah, to be yeah. Honest well, you do mature, don't you? you yeah. Just, you do change. Just took you until you're 28. Yeah, it's until <laughs> I was 28. And then I was, oh, I just loved, I absolutely loved it. So went to the University of Manchester, loved every second of it. When I left university, I'd spent a year traveling, a year in college, doing an access course to go to university and then three years in university. Um, and I had absolutely no money. <laughs> and I'd had no money for years. All my friends, I'm always, I was always the poor one. Yeah. <laughs> it was like my, my friend Tom, who I talked about before, would pay for me to go on holiday with the lads because I obviously had absolutely no money. Um, so I, the, the only thing I knew that I wanted to do was earn money. Yeah. So I was like, sales. Sale, you earn money in sales, right? So I got a sales job. Um, it was a great job. The company were fantastic. The people I worked with were brilliant. It just wasn't commission based. Okay. So there was a there was a ceiling of, of how much you could potentially earn, and and it, it went through COVID, obviously, which was which was a nightmare for everybody. I got out the other side of COVID, and thought, listen, I'm not I'm not earning the money that I wanted to earn. I didn't have a particular figure in my head. I just wanted more. Yeah. And one of the, one of the reasons I left the military was was to get more. And I remember I was at a, a, a traffic light on the way to work and I was sat there in my car and there's a guy in the car next to me in a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or some incredible car. And, and I looked over and I thought, well, what does he do? Yeah. And, and, and then I thought... Was it recruitment? Pro hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and then, probably not. <laughs> probably not. And, and I thought, I, I'll never own a car like that if I stay in the military. Yeah. But... If I get out of the military, I might own a car like that. Okay. And I thought it's, it's positive. It's, it's, yeah, it's worth the, worth the risk. So, I, so I, I I was in the sales job. I wasn't earning the amount of money that I wanted to earn. Um. So then I I simply went on Google and typed in jobs on most money. Recruitment came up, and then I typed in recruitment jobs in Chester, and searchability came and up cracker. and higher cracker. So so and here and we I are. And I applied for. You guys. Well, in, in 27 minutes, we pretty much come on to today. Mm. 35 years and 27 minutes. Got such an, an interesting background. It's really, it is really interesting to hear all, you know, all about your journey. And I've got no doubt that you can help people 
just by doing this podcast. That's the whole point of this. Yeah. You know. Okay, so you started with searchability and then very quickly joined the higher cracker team. Yeah. Not not long after that was always the plan anyway with your background and yeah. your, your mission statement, etc. So let's fast track then to, to today where well, you've, you've certainly been doing it for all of the all of this year. Yeah. And from you know outside looking in, I don't I don't get involved in the intricacies of your business and, and your day to day, but is it is it going as you'd hoped? Is it going well? It's going incredibly well. I mean, there's there's a real appetite in the UK job market to take X Forces people on, but people just don't, it, it's such a difficult talent pool to access. Yeah, and I so candidates don't know where to look and clients don't know where to find exactly. Them. I mean, candidates will look at a job description online and and it might say about industry experience, and they'll just automatically say, "Well, I, I can't apply. I haven't, for got that. Any. I haven't got any, so I yeah. can't apply for that role." Even though they can, like their transferable skills are worth far more than that year working in that particular industry. Yeah. So they won't apply for it, and then you've got clients who companies, I mean, there's 9,757 organisations in this country that have signed the Armed Forces Covenant, which is absolutely brilliant. Searchability, Hirecracker, we've all signed it now, uh, which is which is fantastic news. So th- these companies want to take on more ex-military people. They want to support the military community. They want to support spouses of, of people who have served, um, but they don't really know how to access this talent pool. So yeah. it, because of things like the year notice period, you can't. It's hard to work with. Yeah, it's hard to work with, and yeah. you can't knock on a military camp and say, "Does anybody want a job?" Because yeah, <laughs> it, it just doesn't work like that. Um, and, and there's obviously barriers with regards to CVs and interviews and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, as a talent pool, it's really difficult to access. It's it's massive, but untapped. A massive untapped, like the twelve and fifteen between twelve and fifteen thousand service leavers entering the UK job market annually. There's nine hundred thousand working age veterans currently in the UK right now. Crazy. And and these these people, it's underexploited, really. Whilst the UK job forces standards are dropping, yeah, these people are here, ready to, and they're just so keen, inspired, determined. yeah, determined to just get a good career. Okay, no, it's, it's it's so interesting. Just very quickly for anyone listening that you know is interested in in helping get vets back into work and you want to sign the Armed Forces Covenant, yeah. what, what is that in, in layman's terms? The Armed Force, Forces Covenant, basically, it's a declaration and you can choose what statements you want to make in that declaration. It's just highlighting the importance of the military and what the military have done. So, for example, um, various organisations can make different pledges on the Covenant. So they can say any ex-forces person who applies for a role here will get a guaranteed interview. Okay. Or it will be that you get extra leave entitlement to join this organization if you're in the reserves. So you can go off and do the time that you need to do in the reserves. Yeah. So you're just highlighting the, the, the differences. It's an eagerness. Yeah. In, in yeah, short. yeah. Okay. No, that's that's really interesting. Right. Okay then. So I think from what I've gathered here with the main purpose today is is it's largely an educational piece, educating candidates how to get back well, how to get back into it, how to how to find that first civilian role yeah. perhaps. Yeah where clients can actually go and, and, and attract those candidates. And for people like me who just have no idea, who can help understand that market to yeah. make it more closely aligned, to make it work for everybody. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, right, let's let's start with candidates then. Yeah. So for the sake of this, this conversation, I'm a veteran or a soon-to-be veteran. Let's say I've just had a little notice because, I don't know, I want to grow a beard. Really for our, for Why wouldn't you? Yeah. For, well, exactly. Why wouldn't I? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm not quite at your level, that's for sure. No. Um, well, let's, let's, let's assume I'm, I'm in that position now and I've been in the forces since 18. Yeah. Never got a a high street job. I don't say a normal job because that's a disservice, but you know where I'm yeah. going with this. Yeah. Where do I start? What do I need to know? 
Yeah. And how can you or somebody like you point me in that right direction? Yeah. The first thing to, to remember is to stay ahead of the curve. You, you initially sign off and you think, well, I've got 12 months. Yeah. It's ages. I'll worry about it. Well, you didn't. You didn't I do, didn't do that. Well, didn't don't, do that. don't follow me. Don't <laughs> learn from my mistakes. Yeah. Stay ahead of the curve. Start planning what you want to do. Reach out to people. Yeah. The, there is incredible tools out there like LinkedIn. LinkedIn is something that X-Forces people are rubbish at using. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just not very good at it. I'm not very good at it. I'm constantly told by the marketing department to, to put more things on on linkedin and uh, uh, doing their marketing yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to improve my content it's not something that comes naturally to me but it's such an incredibly powerful tool any even people who are still serving need to get on linkedin start building up a network and and reach out to people people in the military treat linkedin like facebook they only connect with people that they they know or they're friends with. Yeah. They don't realize that you can just connect with the interesting people. The there. whole job world out there. Yeah. You can find particular companies that you potentially might want to work for, find the employees that work there, and you can search for anybody who's been in the military and then send them a connection, send them a message and say, listen, I, I would love to come and work for your company. What do I need to do? And they're worried that people won't help them. But imagine putting yourself in that position 10 years down the line, you're working for a, a massive organization you're really successful yeah. and a young person pops in your, your your inbox and says listen i'm looking at leaving the military what what would you advise for me to come and work with you you'd, of course you'd help them of course. Is, is it fair to assume then and no obviously not everyone would know this like yourself but it is a pretty tight-knit community oh yeah and there is a real team mentality irrespective of age irrespective of yeah. age yeah i mean any any ex-forces person knows i mean even on like remembrance day there'll be an 18 year old kid and someone who's 80 years old who served 60 years ago yeah and and there's that natural bond okay uh, straight straight away and and because it, it is the team first that that team first mentality stays with you forever so you, you were on the same team and you help your yeah. teammates out it's it's just it's in it's an, it's a feeling that stays with you forever okay that, that makes sense any other advice to to me from a candidate perspective reach out to various support mechanisms okay. so there is various groups there's something on LinkedIn called the Gendit Network, which has got 11,000 people, 11,000 members. They're people who are still serving and, and ex-forces people who have gone on to do incredible jobs. And you can just literally go on this group and just say, I've got an interview next week. Can someone tell me what to do? Yeah. <laughs> and people, the, the, the comments will fly in and people will go, right, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to consider. This is what you need to research. Ask for help. So there's things like the Gendit Network. There's an incredible organization called the Forces Transition Group which is run by a guy called John Stevenson, who, who's, a, who's a top bloke. And and he offers free CV writing sessions for anybody okay. leaving the military. Are CVs an obvious problem? A massive problem. Yeah. Huge problem. Again, it all links back to putting the team first, not wanting to put your own achievements yeah. on, on paper. They, they, they undervalue themselves. They, they don't sell themselves. So CV writing is something that they, everybody in the military struggles with. I mean, it's it's difficult putting a, a, a number of years on a piece of paper. Yeah. It's Especially if you've done 20-odd you years. You could just put in the military... 20 years yeah, yeah basically yeah and like i mean it's one of the things that i like to educate clients with regards to cvs that try and see past it but for example i sent a cv to a client the other day and, and normally obviously you'd see a bit of a cv if it was spelled incorrectly you'd change the spelling or whatever but in this particular cv at the bottom part there was a, a section called personal notes 
and the guy who was absolutely brilliant, but his CV was terrible, yeah. he said at the bottom, I apologise for the standard of my CV. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's included the right content or it's in the right format. Okay. So I left it. Hands up, though. Hands, just, yeah, yeah, just so I, but I left it in the CV and sent it to the client and said, this is a perfect example of a brilliant candidate who's got a terrible CV. Yeah. If you pick up the phone and speak to him for two minutes, you'll realise yeah. how capable he is. Yeah. I mean, he was like 37. It's not like he was 18 yeah. and he, he apologised at the end of his CV. Yeah. So so there's there's organisations out there like the Forces Transition Group who will help with regard to CVs. Um, uh, ask questions, reach out to people like myself. Everybody's happy to just pick up the phone and chat. It's a really, really daunting experience leaving the military. But once you've left and you realise you're all right, yeah. then you're happy to say to people, "No, honestly, you you will be fine. You'll be all right." Okay, so I I'm still a candidate, by the way, and on my CV mm. it does just say, "No, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's a what's a typical profession in the military." You put, you fact, you probably got real life examples of this. So, are there any situations where you've seen? exactly that and then you have given a bit more guidance on what the oh, CV should look like I mean all the time like I spoke to an absolutely fantastic lady um, last week or the week before she served nine years in the Navy she was a lieutenant lieutenant um, and and her CV there's myths in the military about CVs so people say that it has to be under two pages under two A4 pages it can't be any more than yeah. two A4 pages which is just nonsense because you're never going to get not get a job if your CV is three pages long it's yeah just, as long as it's not 47 as pages as long as it's not 47 pages yeah. um, so th- this this uh, woman had absolutely bare minimum content on a CV it just had the title of her role and the dates that she she did it yeah. so I spoke to her on the phone and I said uh, I said the Navy is a little bit of a black spot for me because it's like a different language in the Navy I said well what, what's what's your latest role what have you been doing and she said well I'm a navigator and I said well what's a, what does a navigator do <laughs> what does a navigator Compass, do maybe? yeah, yeah. Probably, that's probably involved <laughs> and a map I guess yeah. and, uh, and she said it's my responsibility to plot the ship's journey from point A to point B and I said, well, okay, well, how much does a ship cost? And she said, two billion pound. Wow. And I said, well, how many people were on board that ship? And she said, like, 150 people. I said, so you were responsible, you personally were responsible for 150 people's lives on a piece of equipment that cost two billion pound. It's pretty and, cool, right? And you haven't mentioned it on your CV. Yeah. What civilian equivalent is there in the world with that level of responsibility? Probably isn't one, is there? There, is, there isn't one. <laughs> and she, she just didn't mention it. Another example, a, a young lady who was in the REF, she was an SAC. She was an engineer on the, the Typhoon. She was an aeronautical engineer. And I found a CV, started reading it, and the first line of a CV said, I am a competent engineer. And I didn't read any more. I phoned her and I was like, you, you're not a competent, you can't be a competent engineer and work on the Typhoon. The Typhoon is a cutting edge piece of military equipment. It, you, you're an extraordinary engineer. Yeah. And, and just it, unaware. Just un- and she was like, am I? I was like, yes, <laughs> yeah, you are. You literally are. You can't work on a piece of equipment like that and be a competent engineer because naturally the people play down their achievements. They she, she would never dream of saying I'm an outstanding yeah. engineer. Okay. And I guess we all we almost keep coming back to the same point by this, whether it LinkedIn, which is effectively a, a digital CV in this yeah. modern age, you're selling yourself on a CV, you're selling yourself. You know, there have been some people that have clearly, you know, if they're, I don't want to blow too much, you know what, up your you know what, but with, without your help, yeah, if they're just applying to clients directly, 
that's probably why a lot of this is falling into the ether. Yeah, 100%. It's just not enough information. It's not enough on. information. Okay, so that's, that's so interesting. So then in, in, in summary, I know we talk about top tips and all that before you came in today. Let's start with the, the candlelight side. It's short, quick snap. What are your top tips that you provide to veterans yeah. looking to get back into work? So the first thing is, is linked to my last point, so don't undervalue yourself. Yeah. Don't for a second think that what you've done isn't, important and isn't transferable and isn't impressive yeah even when i interviewed for searchability before with with when i moved into Hirecracker, um kyle in the office was interviewing me and he said can you name a time you were under pressure and i was like well a few <laughs> and i went well i was in afghanistan and and i saw him go oh wow yeah okay <laughs> but i didn't want to use that example yeah, like you had nothing else. I had nothing, it was like well yeah i suppose i have i have I, mean, I, under- I said that like that, that isn't impressive of course that's extremely <laughs> impressive but you've got no other yeah and and it, it was an incredibly pressured situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like of course this will be easier. Yeah, yeah, and and I was hesitant to say it, which is weird. Yeah, that is weird. But don't undervalue yourself. Yeah, it's the it's it's the thing that everybody falls down on with interviews, with writing the CV, with with LinkedIn people, social media, and they, and they think, well, why would anyone care about what I've done in the military? People do care, yeah. and I say to candidates all the time with regards to like their CVs. When they, when they don't put enough information on there, the, the navigator. I said, if you're applying for a role as a project manager in a particular industry, say the construction industry, there's a hiring manager there who's reading CVs every day of construction project managers, construction project managers, construction project managers. And then all of a sudden they get a CV on the desk and they're like, whoa, this is, a, <laughs> this is interesting. Yeah. Like people genuinely are interested in yeah, what people sure. have achieved in the military. So don't undervalue yourself. That, that's the, the, a big one. Second one, again, links into what I previously said, networking. People are there to help. People will help. There's things like LinkedIn, the Forces Transition Group. There's great organizations. People ask ask for help. Again, it's not necessarily a military thing to do. You don't tend to ask for help. No, you don't say like... built in you to do that. No, you're normally self-sufficient. You look after yourself. You can handle yourself. All of a sudden, you're walking, walking into a big, bad world. Ask. Ask yeah. for help. Just It's as simple as just dropping a, a message on the Gendit network and saying, I'm anxious about... What, what to do when I leave the military. Someone give me some Can someone give And the comments, honestly, there's, there'll be hundreds of replies of yeah. people saying, listen, I'm a senior project manager at X organisation. I felt exactly the same as you when I left. Yeah. You, you will be fine. And, and I speak to candidates every single day and you can hear the relief when I say, listen, you will be head and shoulders above your competition yeah. because... You can get to work on time and yeah. you can communicate and you can work in a team. Don't worry about the industry your experience. Your basic skills are ridiculously high. Your basic skills are head and shoulders above your competition. Yeah. And, and, you, and you won't know that until you walk into your office on the first day and you arrive half an hour before everybody else and then people are walking in late and just sitting behind their desk and not apologising for being late. And yeah. you ju- it's just like a different world yeah, completely. Okay. So networking, ask for help. There, re- there is mechanisms out there that, that will help. Um, and the and the last thing, which is really really important, is don't worry about finding the perfect job when you leave the military. Okay. When you walk out of the military, everybody thinks I've got to find. It's got to be the perfect location. It's got to be perfect salary. It's got to be perfect working situation. It doesn't work like that. Jobs don't work like that. There, there isn't perfect jobs in the world. Research has shown that the average length of of your first engagement after leaving the military is about eighteen months. That's right. how long typically ex-forces people spend in their first job. 
to put it in a, 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 a in a way that X forces people to understand, treat your first job like a posting. So postings in the military are one, two, three years in length. You go to a certain place, you stay there for three years, and then you move on somewhere else. Yeah. Everybody in the military operates like that. Treat your first job as a posting. You're not there forever. Get your feet under the table, learn as much as you can, volunteer for as much as you can, build up your experience, update your CV, treat your CV like it's a live document because you don't want to spend five years in an organization and then have to rewrite five years again. Keep updating your CV. And then after six, 12, 18 months, you might love it and do two or three years, but inevitably you will be moving on. Yeah. It's, it's just a reality of the way that the civilian market works. You, people yeah. don't ever really okay. spend one their, their the entire it's, career at one company anymore. I never thought I'd say this about you, but is this just an attempt to keep placing people after the cycle? Well, yeah, happy there. <laughs> keep coming back to me. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Joking, of course. <laughs> um, so that so the perfect job, the perfect job doesn't exist. And it never don't, does. Don't panic. No one's first job is ever the perfect exactly. job, is it? That's just no. a reality. Yeah, just, just don't panic. Keep your options open. Yeah, and keep. I'll keep keep your eye on the market. I yeah. guess. Yeah, keep your eye on the market. I'll have a look what's out there, and it is you know Tom's never going to. Um, to sell himself, that's that, that's not his style. But he is he is very knowledgeable. He, he does understand this market. He's so passionate about it. I know he won't speak about it, but I already know of examples of people that have called in for Tom because someone else has seen what Tom's doing and they've recommended that that they reach out to Tom specifically, which I know has been quite uh, overwhelming for you at times. You've 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 loved that. Yeah. Oh, which, uh, yeah. I loved it. I which mean, is great. one of them. Um, one of one of my best friends um, served with a uh, guy eighteen years ago in Germany. Um, a fantastic girl called Sal Stewart. One of the most capable people you'll ever meet. Just absolutely brilliant. A job, funny and 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 dedicated, hardworking. She actually texted me two weeks ago and said, "Your name's just been dropped to me." And I went, oh, God, why? <laughs> and she said, I'm coming to the end of my time. Yeah. And I was speaking to somebody in work and said, what the hell do I do when I leave? And this guy said to her, right, set up your LinkedIn, reach out to the Forces Transition Group, John Stevenson, like I said before. Yeah. Reach out to a guy called Tom Fulton. And she was like, How cool I was that? <laughs> she was like, I know Tom. And he went, how do you know Tom? I served with him. So I had a conversation with her and exactly what we'd discussed. She, she, she's so worried about leaving and I was like Sal you will be It'll head be and shoulders fine. above yeah. everybody <laughs> honestly you, she's one of the best people I've ever worked with yeah. absolutely brilliant she will walk into the civilian market and just excel overnight she'll yeah. be absolutely brilliant cool okay now that's that's such a cool story and it's mm. it's, it's nice to know you, even you're making that very small bit of difference and what you're doing is yeah. working you should yeah. be very proud of that okay right so let's let's move it swiftly on then I think that, that covers the, the candlelit market Quite nicely, we you know we will leave um, Tom's email address on the the bottom of of, of the podcast. So, if any candidates do want to reach out with any specific questions yep. to Tom, then you know please please be our guests. But let's just flip this on its head then. Yep. So, let's assume I'm a client. Yep. I I hear you from a bit less so now because you've moved, but on the phone to to clients over of the guys on on the higher cracker team over there, and you know, you've got some really really strong sales. But I've got absolutely no doubt that like me until you started people have no idea no idea of the benefits yeah that come with hiring veterans not just from a quality perspective but also from a financial perspective so let's just let's just do the same thing i guess i guess yeah. tom for any perspective clients listening out there what are the key cells for a client and in fact before you go into that i'm sort of interested because i don't know the answers to this 
do you only work with clients who are ex-forces? No. Or where does that... Yeah, so I've got clients who are ex-military. Um, uh, I, I literally just before we recorded the podcast, I was speaking to a managing director of a company based in Birmingham. He's ex-military. Yeah. He wants to get more ex-forces people on board. It, he's offering apprenticeships. He just wants hardworking people. He said, well, yeah, you can find me these people. Yeah. So a lot of my clients are ex-military, but then lots of my clients aren't. They've all signed the Armed Forces Covenant. That's the, the target that I go for, companies right. that sign okay. the Armed Forces Covenant because they've already pledged to help military yeah. veterans so this is the whole point that's the whole point yeah um so it, it's not it's not exclusive um that, that, that they've been in the military they've just obviously showed that desire to, to take ex well the people the candidates you place are all the can all the candidates are is, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. so uh, the biggest bit of information the biggest sell the thing that i say to clients and i would say 90 to 95 percent of the clients i speak to are unaware of this again it's just an awareness problem with regards to this talent pool there are financial incentives with recruiting people direct from the military. So if a, a company takes on somebody direct from the military, it's their first civilian job after leaving the military, they don't pay their national insurance contribution for the first 12 months. I've, I've definitely heard you sell this line before. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. So it's a saving of 13.8% of their annual salary. Substantial. Now, a substantial amount of money. And, and as a recruitment agency, I cap my fees at 15% of the annual salary. So I'll say to a client, listen, you'll pay me 15% to find you these incredible candidates who are disciplined and got fantastic communication skills, work well in a team. You'll pay me 15% for that. But then in the first 12 months of their employment, you'll save 13.8% of their annual salary. What a phenomenal sell. Ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's a 1.2% agency fee. And you don't pay agencies 1.2%. No. I mean, my client at the beginning thought it was free, yeah, to be well, fair. Yeah, to but, be fair. But you don't pay one. So they'd have actually gained 13.8%. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, I like it. Literally. So uh, so that, that it's a massive sell. You save 13.8%. But I actually had no idea. I know, I know I do know now because you, I know you yeah. work with us, yeah. I had no idea about no. that beforehand. No. And I've got no doubt there was loads of clients interested in taking on ex-forces yeah. who just do not know that. Oh, no. 90 to 95% of the, the clients I set up calls with, I say, listen, you can save this 13.8%. Are there any exceptions to that rule? Literally, no. No, it's got to just be their first 12 months of employment. So right. I did originally think it was the first employer that can take advantage of that. And then yeah. if they move to a different employer, then they, they don't capitalize on that. But it's the first 12 months of their civilian employment. So right. if they change jobs three times in the first 12 months of their civilian employment, yeah. each each client will save the 13.8% on during a monthly, that of during time. that period for, the, for, okay. for, for 12 months. So it, it's a fantastic benefit. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, the, 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 Biggest bit of advice I could say as well with regards to, to these candidates is seeing past... You you, no. Use me, yeah. obviously. <laughs> yeah, you won't be find any other service as good as mine. Um, the biggest bit of advice is seeing, seeing past people's CVs. Like I said, CVs, yeah. are, it's a pressure point. A lot of people will apply for roles and, and a hiring manager will see it and it's a terrible CV and the format's awful and the content's not great and, and they'll just instantly put it in the bin. Try and see past that especially if you're a forces friendly company and you've got you've signed the armed forces covenant and you see somebody who's ex-military just pick up the phone and speak to them you'll yeah. tell within the first two or three minutes of that conversation how good they are and you'll look at this even thing Did the same person write this yeah. like it's it, it, you've, you've got to see past the cv yeah so that that's one thing i'll i'll always educate clients to just try and see past it so do you, do you find you're having to probably 
sell more than you know, the, the standard recruiter then I guess because you know yeah I mean we've always had to, to play that game to a certain degree and there is an element of being consultative and in inverted commas and you know, encouraging a a maybe to a yes but let's be honest you, you place in a senior javascript developer yeah and it's blatantly obvious for the past 15 years that's what they've been doing yeah exactly yeah you you got a pretty good head start yeah. whereas with you you know you're you're i don't want to say in a blind lead the blind is obviously miles away from where i'm going with this but you've got someone who doesn't know how to sell themselves with someone who can't see what someone's done exactly yeah. so yeah i mean it's, i it's, can imagine it's a lot of encouragement it's a lot of encouragement it's a lot of trying to illuminate what these people are are capable of yeah um i had a, a client call the other day um with two hiring managers um and i and I, I was literally just on the phone to the lieutenant in the navy and, and i used that as an example and said listen this person did this and you saw their faces they were like wow yeah like, it is so cool and and yeah. that, that wouldn't have been on her cv she would have sent that out to clients and, and they would have gone well, i don't know what a navigator is in yeah next, next one so it, seeing past people's cvs picking up the phone and just having a chat with them yeah, like these ex-military people are so keen and so enthusiastic to yeah. get a job and you want people working for your organization who are keen and dedicated it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely it's, it's, it's bought into the organization bought in and putting the team in front of anything else that's uh, you bring somebody in who's who's a great team member and the team will improve like it's it's a, it's a fact yeah no it makes sense okay cool so is that in summary your your tips to clients so we'll, we're saying Give people a chance yeah. to see past their CVs. Yeah. That that sounds nice. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely imperative. It's take advantage of the the financial benefits yeah. that that you can well benefit benefit from yeah. at that thirteen point eight percent. That's ridiculous. Well, everyone's trying to reduce their agency fees as well. Yeah, like at the amount of I hear all my colleagues in the office speaking to clients trying to convey to them the importance of recruitment agencies and the value that we can bring, and and they're going yeah, but we're trying to keep the cost down, and I completely appreciate that. You recruit through me, and the agency fee is one point two percent. Yeah, it's it's Crazy. silly not to recruit through me. Yeah, like it literally is no, silly. It is, it is, and you know you're obviously building up a good client base now as well. So yeah. you've got options on there. Okay, so no, that, that, Tom, that's been so so helpful and so clear. So thank you for that. Just a couple of final questions for me, I guess that I might be missed along the way. So it's you know people who've who've served come from such a wide variety yeah. of backgrounds and it could be anything from i don't know a chef yeah exactly to a sergeant to you know you know the terminology better than i do yeah but there's such a, a broad spectrum now of course like when you when you do a placement at Highcracker, i see the job title which is as far as it goes but it's a whole variety of, of different roles so yeah you come out of of the forces I, how, how do you know what sort of industry or role to to actually target? You know, if, you, if you're a project manager, it makes sense. You know, there's there's natural transferable yeah. skills there, but it's when you get into the intricacies, how how do you know? It, well, it's it's really difficult for people. Obviously, um, there's a lot of roles within the military that do have a civilian equivalent engineering construction things like that they, they do that for 22 years in the military and then they go out and they went oh, i want to do that in civilian industry so there is then people that walk out and they know what they want to do straight away there's people who leave the military and and they haven't got a clue and and they just need to do their research I, the one thing that i can't do when i speak to these these candidates i can't tell them what to do 
Yeah. They ring me and go, they, what, am I, what am I going to do? And I go, I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> like, I, I can't give you the answer. You need to yeah. do the research yourself. Um, but I speak to, to candidates and they, they've served in the engineers. And then I'll see their CV and I'll say, right, okay, do you want to work in the, in the engineering industry? And they go, no, I want to work in social media. I want to be a social media manager. I'm like, oh, okay, wow, brilliant. And yeah. it's such a, a massive contrast. Yeah. Um, so it, it's something, and with regards to CVs, service leavers need to, understand that they need to point their CV in the direction of their future as well. That's another big point because I, I see CVs and it'll be a tank regiment guy and he's talking about tanks and going and exercise and firing tanks and then I say, oh, well, what do you want to do? And he says, I want to work in cybersecurity. And you think, well, how the hell did you... <laughs> I didn't, you've got to... You've got I, to don't, I, I don't know how to get you. Yeah, you've got, you've, got, you've got to be able to be able to be in a position to go into that industry. Yeah. But there are support mechanisms, like I said, that you do leave the military and you do get things like enhanced learning credits that you get £2,000 consecutively over three years to use for courses that are level three and above. So, so there are, there are things, there are qualifications you can do, but you need to gain more understanding by networking exactly tying in before speak to people in industries and say, listen, what, what, what do you do? And what does that involve? And people, especially ex-military people will help project management is is a very common thing for ex forces people to go into. The agile methodology is something yes, that the civilian that's the sort of thing I'd expect <clears throat> to be actually exactly yeah. The agile methodology in the civilian sector has been people have struggled with it for a number of years. It's not it's not something that comes naturally to a lot of civilians, but the military have been using the agile methodology since the beginning of time. They just didn't call it the agile methodology. It's the yeah. most flexible, efficient way of working. It's yeah. improvise, adapt, and overcome. It's finding solution, a quick solution to a problem. It's it's something. So X Force people go into project management, and they they absolutely find it breeze. Breeze it. One of my best friends left the military to twelve years in the military police. Um, he's got a job at Swansea University as a project manager. Um. It, I love him to pieces, Gav Lewis, absolutely great bloke. Um, but he definitely live works to live rather than lives to work. Yeah. Um, he likes his free time. He likes doing whatever he wants. He's gone into Swansea University and every single project there is delayed. When they start a new project, they just expect delays. Now he's yeah. gone in and, and tried to find solutions to these problems and they're all like, wow, you're really keen. And he's yeah. like, Am I? Yeah, <laughs> like, doing I'm doing a job. Like yeah. it's it's so the, there's so many different roles. Project management's very very popular, but people leave the military. Like I said, twelve and fifteen thousand people per year, and they go into everything. Yeah, they go into every single industry, every single sector. Okay, uh, that's really interesting. Okay, and finally, been burning. Uh, this question's been a burning hole in my in, in my life. Why is it that the people in the SAS are called the Super Army Soldiers? If Ross Kemp calls them Super Army Soldiers, then they must be. Fact. Fact. The poor, poor extras were like a joke yeah, now. Yeah, I love Ricky yeah, Gervais. Yeah. And the, and Do you get uh, that one a lot, yeah? Yeah, all yeah. the time, yeah. <laughs> um, and the fact that I'm bald and, and it's an easy joke to make that I look like Ross, Ross Kemp. Kemp. Yeah. But, yeah, but Ginger. Mm, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He, couldn't, he couldn't grow a beard. You're, like you're more handsome, though. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. All right, mate. No, cool. honestly, unless, unless you've got anything else that you, you know that you forgot to mention or you want to cover quickly, I think that that, that wraps up the main. Yeah, I, I think I think the over overriding message to any ex-military people listening to this or anyone that's starting the transition out out of the military is just ask, just just raise your hand. Speak to people like me, speak to the Forces Transition Group and just say, listen, I'm struggling with this. Can you please help me? Because people are so happy to help. Yeah. People, I, I, I speak to service leaders every single day 
I'm happy to talk through options and I'm happy to point them in directions and I'm happy to give any little bit of advice I possibly can. But you're not going to, unlike me, where you just leave and no plans. You have to ask for help. You have to, yeah. No, You've got to communicate. Ask. Yeah. Communicate. Okay, yeah. no, that's, that's, been, that's been so helpful. Thank you very much. No Appreciate problem. it. Okay, right. So moving on to, to my final segment of, of the pod. I, I run a, a little segment called The Director's Diaries where I try and give some... A little bit of insightful knowledge, either from my experience or related back to the the podcast. Yeah. Now this is it's, it's been a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so I decided to, and you're gonna hate this because it's is it very, it's, it portrays you in a very positive light oh on God. how to be successful in recruitment. But it, you know what what you did when you came in has been so different to anything that we've seen at Search Billy probably since Will, who opened up the yep. national security and defence market. And it got me thinking about all the successful people that I've worked with over the, the 10 year span that I've, I've done recruitment and albeit massively different backgrounds, different strengths, even different levels of, of determination. They all had one thing in common and that was a niche. And I feel like in, in, in your case, you've, you've really found your niche. You found the way to, albeit it's such a close subject to your heart, it really differentiates you from what most of the market is doing same with Will, the same with James Gambino, probably the same with me to a degree. Yes, I did contracts recruitment, d- development specifically, which is quite a broad spectrum, but I focused on .NET in the Midlands. Now, even if it wasn't entirely true, I almost made myself believe it was, and that's how I was, I was perceived in my market. Yeah. So I think for any recruiters that may be listening out there, stop trying to do everything. You know, you, you, cannot, you cannot juggle a market of this size. Yes, it's saturated, but it's a multi-billion pound industry. Yeah. There's plenty of revenue to be made for everyone if you become a specialist in one given subject. And I think you are one of the best that I've, that I've seen do that. It, of course, helps that you believe in it so strongly. Yeah. But having that that narrow view, that one main aim, that one mission, that one goal, it, it helps you become more believable. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's my advice for anyone listening out there. Find your niche and roll with it. It, it doesn't mean you can't reinvent yourself again. I'll give yourself a chance to focus. Yeah, makes build, sense. I'm building mini empire. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, for your time, Tom. It's it's been a really enjoyable. Pod. Yeah, it's been good. They're both both your stories. The and and I've not had a chance to look at these, but the, the, I've seen the girls looking. The pictures going around the background <laughs> are the mental. I can't. It can't be you. I'm not, yeah, I'm not having it. Unfortunately, it was. Uh, okay, right. Well, we like to wrap up the pod um, with our final segment called. What's it called, Tom? Wrap up record. The wrap up record. That's it. Good. <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm a big Good. listener. Yeah, you passed. Yeah. You, you, you passed the test. We do. We call we call it the wrap up record. And in short, we ask you to pick a record which you, know, you like. It defines a moment of your life. It signs off the pod. And yeah, you know, for a whole variety of reasons, I guess. But what what have you decided to go for, mate? Um, I've decided to pick um, Foo Fighters, the best of you. Belter, um, absolute belter. Um, way back in 2005 when that song was released was just about the time where I was joining the military so it came okay. out in the summertime I, I went off to basic training in, in August and and whenever I think back to that particular summer getting ready to leave for the military that song it is like the instant song of the summer the song of the summer yeah. that song instantly comes to mind so that's my uh, that's my song that's your wrap up record yeah. okay well to wrap us up and to hear us out Tom Fulton chosen singing 
Singing. Oh, <laughs> no chance. No chance. I got it. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. It is Best of You by the Foo Fighters. Excellent. Cheers, Tommy. Thank you. I've got another confession to make.